Get the inside scoop on what VCs are thinking and where they are investing today and tomorrow. Ann Kennedy and Jillian Music guide you through the opaque world of venture capital and reveal all the ways you can source capital for your company's growth. It all starts right here with Ann Kennedy and Jillian Music on VC Confidential. Welcome to VC Confidential. I'm Ann Kennedy and I'm here with my co-host and partner at Outlines Venture Group, Jillian Music. Together, we are managing directors of the Sibylla Masters Fund. You can learn more about that at masters.vc. So this show is for investors and entrepreneurs alike. We're going to rip that opaque lid off conventional venture capital and show you how it works. And there you have it, folks. Hi, Jillian. Hi, Anne. How are you doing this week? I'm doing well, thank you. You know, this is uh, our 27th VC Confidential episode. Ooh, we're coming of age. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I don't know. We had, what? how many was it? 10 years of CEO mm -hmm. coach? <laughs> we got a yeah. ways to go. <laughs> I, still, I still get emails and notes from people. You know, I'm so sad that it's over. Uh, not to worry. Let's go hear about VC Confidential. There's well, more to be learned. <laughs> besides that, it's not over it's still uh, archived here at wmr.fm all right. you have to do is go there and uh search for ceo coach and the archives are all there anyway that's true uh but i would counsel people work their way backwards yeah you know the stuff we recorded back in you know 10 years ago 11 years ago not so much uh, start you know from the most recent <laughs> okay yes, much more relevant exactly so, <laughs> Speaking of relevant, uh, let's is. back to uh, VC Confidential. What should we talk about this week, Jillian? Well, a couple of weeks ago, actually, wasn't it just like a week ago or so? I don't know. Time flies. Uh, we were talking about SPVs, special purpose vehicles. Now, that's something that funds use in specific situations, usually involving a single company. So let's take another look at, you know, ways that investors use capital um, to capitalize a company. It's also part of that alphabet soup stuff of venture capital. This one's called a SPAC. SPAC stands for Special Purpose Acquisition Company, SPAC. Used to be Special Purpose Vehicles. That was our last conversation. Let's talk about SPACs. So I've got a good definition for a SPAC, by the way. Um, it comes from Harvard Law School. And let's put a link into our LinkedIn page so folks can check that out and read up on the subject. Um, SPACs are companies that are formed to raise uh, capital in an initial public offering, an IPO. We all know about that alphabet soup there, with the purpose of using the proceeds to acquire one or more unspecified businesses or assets to be identified after the IPO. So, you know, right there, that's a pretty interesting concept. A company is formed and capital is raised from investors and no one knows what this company will do, right? Because the actual company that does the business, you know, has a business model and revenue streams and hopefully some chance of being highly profitable to its investors so they can get some ROI from that investment. It hasn't been identified. Okay, you'll forgive, please, my financial fi financial naivete here. But as an investor, my first reaction is, that's insane. Yeah. You want me to invest in a venture and you cannot tell me what it does for a living? <laughs> well, yes and no. You know, that's kind of nutsy, is it? But, you know, hang on a moment. There's always something deeper and more nuanced. 
you know, the investment interest uh, investment instrument would not exist if there wasn't something to it, right? So in the case of SPACs, not only does it exist, but it is swiftly becoming the darling, the topic jour of the private equity investment world. So let's dig in a bit. Now, to begin with, a SPAC is not all that different from a conventional venture capital firm, right? Now, is it? Investors put their money in, and at the time that the capital is being raised, the general partners, those GPs, right, have not yet selected the companies into which that capital will go. In the case of venture capital, the GPs raise a fund, investors put the money in, and then they trust the GPs to make good investment decisions on their behalf. Right? And they're supposed to go into early stage, fast growing companies, but that's kind of all you get, right? And hopefully they're going to return a very tidy ROI to their investor portfolios. Now, a SPAC can be thought of kind of in the same terms. Investors put their money in, the GP of the SPAC is tasked with finding a single entity rather than a suite of companies. There's going to be some due diligence performed, just like a VC firm, right? And then an investment's going to be made. A SPAC is a little bit like an all-in-one basket venture capital investment. You might say the closer analogy would really be the SPV that we just talked about, the special purpose vehicles, right? We just talked about that a couple of weeks ago, and the SPV is formed to capitalize a single venture. So with an SPV, the portfolio company is identified in advance, and with a SPAC, just like a venture capital fund, the company is not yet identified. Hmm. That's that's a hmm. That's a skeptical hmm. <laughs> you, you know me, the, the house. I do. <laughs> the house skeptic. Yeah. That yep. sounds to me like double the risk. You don't know the company your money is going to go into, and all the money is going into one company, all eggs in one basket. Both of these elements increase risk. Yikes. Yeah, precisely. So why do people happily invest in SPACs and why are they becoming so popular again? <laughs> Wait right there, Jillian. Let's start with that word again. So how about a bit of history of SPACs? Okay, you're in and you're on. You go for it. <laughs> okay, here's a short history, good and bad, and it's from Business Insider uh, uh, article of what is a SPAC. We'll put that link in our LinkedIn page too, so you can read it for yourself. But here are a few things that they point out. If the SPAC setup sounds like a situation ripe for abuse, that's because it once was. Back in the 1980s, remember the M&A mm -hmm. fever, you know, yeah. along with Saturday night fever, there was M&A fever. Yep. Um, a lot of fraud surrounded what was then called uh, blank check companies. And actually, they're still called that now. But yeah. it seems that uh, uh, they have been redeemed. Um, many in those days were purely shell companies offering thinly traded penny stocks or pink sheets was the jargon for them. That's right. They were literally listed on sheets that were the color of pink. Right? Yep. And they yep. know them. Yeah, yeah. So they're called pink sheets. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And thinly traded means very few people were buying these stocks. Mm hmm often, and I quote this from Business Insider, these firms either absconded with investors' cash or engaged in overvalued insider deals that left many investors, you know, with a bag full of nothing. Mm -hmm. 
Since then, the SEC has tightened regulations and procedures for SPAC ventures. Um, for example, today, a SPAC has to place investors' money in a trust or an escrow account until the target company is publicly announced. And at that point, if investors don't like the looks of the deal, they can recover their funds from the escrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that doesn't mean that if we invest and we don't like the selected company, we just bail by claiming that our invested, you know, all of our invested cash back from escrow. But it does mean that if we believe there's something wrong with a deal, such as the company is receiving investment, you know, uh, and I don't know, belongs to a relative or a good friend of the GP or something, we can make a case for nepotism or some other shady deal going on, or maybe that selected portfolio company uh, that, this, you know, with the SPAC, uh, it, it's going to be doing something illegal or shady. That's when we can make a case to withdraw from the deal before our money gets tied up with something that we don't want to be party to. Yeah, that's a good point. So there are improved transparency and protections for SPAC investors these days. That's right. So what investors can do, by the way, if they don't like the deal, which is just the company that the SPAC is about to merge with, is to vote against the deal. Investors and SPACs don't get to vote on all the dealings by the GPs of the SPAC. Uh, they do not, for example, get to say, um, you know, get a say in whether the SPAC will purchase assets or stock of a company without a merger, or even a merger of that target company with a subsidiary. But they do get to vote on whether the SPAC will merge with the target company. And that's the big move. That's when the target company becomes part and parcel of the SPAC and now is an operating company with which the fortunes of the investors are completely entwined. That's when the stock in the SPAC becomes stock in the target company. So uh, we need to take a break now for our sponsors. And when we come back, uh, we'll do some general definitions, talk about the growth of the, um, this uh, astonishing growth this, uh, this year uh, with, with SPACs. And this is VC Confidential and we'll be right back. More ways you can source capital for your company's growth on VC Confidential is coming up. Ready to do a podcast for your business? Make that podcast elevate to enterprise level. Let webmasterradio.fm expedite and execute your podcast to build your brand and broaden your customer base. Webmasterradio.fm has worked with the world's biggest tech brands, Google, Yahoo, and Bing, and have worked with fast-growing brands like ShipStation and GoDaddy. Now it's your turn. Contact brasco at wmr.fm and rush your enterprise-level podcast into production at a very reasonable rate. Email brasco at wmr.fm. Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. Ann Kennedy and Jillian Music are back with the inside scoop on what VCs are thinking and where they are investing today and tomorrow on VC Confidential, only on WMR.FM. 
Welcome back to VC Confidential. I'm Ann Kennedy with Jillian Music talking about what you as an investor, advisor, or entrepreneur need to know about venture capital. Before the break, we opened the conversation about SPACs, how SPACs are being looked at by investors and entrepreneurs. Let's go back to some definitions, Jillian, um, uh-huh. about how this works. You know, we were, and specifically how it how it works. Um, but mm-hmm. we were talking about using some terms. I thought we better just do a quick definition. Uh, we use the term GP in venture capital as a general partner to describe the people making the decisions in a, a venture firm and in a SPAC, you know, the mm-hmm. folks in control of the capital and all other decisions. Uh, we should point out that the usual and customary term for the name in the, of the entity, the SPAC itself, is the issuer because mm-hmm. the SPAC issues stock and warrants associated with the SPAC. Investors buy into the SPAC and receive these stocks and warrants. It's always good to clarify the names of the players, and absolutely. So here's a bit more historical perspective on the SPACs. Um, historically, they've been pretty small and esoteric uh, as a part of public trading. In other words, they've not been plentiful. Okay, for example, Business Insider reported that between January of 2014 all the way through November of 2017, just shy of about 80 SPAC IPOs closed, and they raised about $19 billion in gross proceeds across all of those years. But in 2020, 182 SPAC IPOs have already been completed as of mid-November, with a few more expected before the end of the year. So in 2014, all the SPAC deals collectively, right, had made uh, just 1.7 billion. The deal uh, value rose somewhat in 20, excuse me, in 2014, it was just 1.7 billion, right? And again, 19 billion gross proceeds in all of those years uh, from 2014 to 2017. So you get an idea. And they rose somewhat in 2015 and 16 and so on, but in 2017, the deal size jumped to 34 SPAC IPOs and 10.1 billion. And since then, the speed, the size, and the value of those SPACs has been growing at a much faster clip. In 2020 to date, again, we have 182 SPAC deals and they are valued at 66 billion and a few more before the end of the year. Yeah, so quite a speed uh yeah and and i'm just uh, my uh, my silence was just to absorb that for a moment you know what mm-hmm. how that compares with the billions that have gone into right. conventional vc and you know it's maybe half you know which yeah. is significant anyway so what i'm saying is yeah um, that that hockey stick mm-hmm. going up very very quickly yeah so give us an idea of how a spac deal works jillian okay So a SPAC kind of jumps through the typical IPO hoops of filing a registration statement with the United States Securities and Exchange Commission. That's the SEC. They clear the SEC comments. They head out on a road show. That's what it's called, you know, the the common term, if you will. They get financial managers to give the SPAC firm commitments on capital. That's called the underwriting. So now they have the authority to operate. They've got some capital committed and the IPO uh, then you know, proceeds are then held in a trust account. That's what we mentioned before, right? Uh, an escrow or something. So uh, until they are released to 
capitalize or fund the business combination, which is that merger of the newly formed SPAC and the company they're about to merge with, right? The company they identify, and that's called the target company, right? Or that capital can actually also be used to redeem shares that are sold in the IPO. So it has some multiple uses. I've read that SPACs are very profitable for the managers, which makes mm -hmm. sense. Why would they do it otherwise? <laughs> um, but I mean, after all, the, the idea here is to make money. Um, but mm -hmm. the, the value to investors seems a bit more fuzzy. What are the costs of a SPAC? Yeah, they are expensive. So there are um, offering expenses, you know, developing all of the documents, the legal stuff, accounting and so on, the filings, uh, the roadshow itself can be awfully expensive depending on, you know, who's doing it and how they're doing it and so on, uh, including those upfront portions of the underwriting discount, right? In order to get people to come in early, there may be, uh, you know, discounts offered essentially, right? To make this a sweetened deal. There's working capital that will be funded by the entity itself that's, you know, running around the world and collecting this capital and so on. So yes, you can pad that quite a bit and it can be a very um, fine high life. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, um, you know, it'll be funded by the entity and sometimes by the management teams that form the SPAC, and that's the sponsor. So after the IPO, the SPAC's going to hunt for a company and, you know, with which it wants to merge the acquisition opportunity. But I think you and I both know that it isn't always afterwards. They kind of have an idea of what they want to do in advance, but you can't promise it because you never know, you know, it, the deal isn't done until it's done, if you will, right? So after the IPO, the SPAC goes and finds the company with which it wants to work, uh, merge makes the deals and so on. This is the acquisition opportunity and the managers negotiate a merger or purchase agreement, right? To acquire that business or maybe just its assets. This is known as the business combination, however it comes together. Now, if the SPAC needs additional capital to complete that business combination or pay its other expenses, then the sponsor, that's the management team, might loan additional funds to the SPAC. Again, more costs because a loan doesn't come free. Before signing an acquisition agreement, the SPAC is going to arrange for debt and equity financing or one or the other, right, such as private investment and public equities. That's known as a pipe, private investment in a public equity. And that commitment might come from a venture capital firm or some other entity and so on. And that finances a portion of the purchase price of the business combination, that merger, right? Thereafter, there's, you know, there's a publicly announced, uh, you know, they, they publicly announced both the acquisition agreement and the committed finance for the deal. So people know what the deal will look like. So a SPAC deal involves the invested capital of investors in the deal, plus one or more loans from a financial institution or entity to get the whole deal done. Uh, the investor capital is not sufficient to get the whole merger or purchase done. In general, that's correct. These are these large, ready-to-go public uh, companies, um, and you know we can start uh, talking about a few as you know case studies and so on, so you get an idea. These are huge deals, very large, ready-to-go companies. A small amount of capital isn't going to get this done. You need to have both parts. So once the managers of a SPAC make a public announcement of the signing, the SPAC has to hold a mandatory shareholder vote. It's called a tender offer process. Okay. In either case, 
offering of the public investors, the, you know, what they have to do is give the public investors the right to return their public shares to the SPAC in exchange for an amount of cash roughly equal to what the IPO, uh, you know, the IPO price paid, if you will. This is the vote that I was talking about earlier. Okay, so you have kind of an exit ramp if you need it. If the business combination is improved by the shareholders, you know, that's required, right? Then the financing and other conditions specified in the acquisition agreement are satisfied and the business combination, the merger, right, will be consummated. This is what's called the de-SPAC transaction. Okay, so first you put your money into a SPAC, the SPAC goes and merges with another company. Now you're going to de-SPAC it. So the SPAC and the target business combine into a publicly traded operating company. Finally, your stock is in a company that actually has a business model. And now your fortunes are their fortunes and theirs are yours. And uh, just to put a bow on this, you as the investor then is, is invested in whatever this new company is. So, That's right. Yeah, That's so here's right. here's a little bit of numbers around, I think we talked about this earlier, but mm -hmm. um, last year, this again is from, uh, I think this might be from Barron's, this one, uh, okay. 2019, last year, uh, mm -hmm. 59 SPAC IPOs raised 13.6 billion. And right, so compare that with 182 and 66 billion. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You can it's, see how quick that hockey stick is going up. Yeah. It's it's if you look at and we there is a chart in one of the links that we're going to put in our mm -hmm. LinkedIn page where it is just a a a peak. You know, it's like this this swooping up um, in, right. in the popularity. So uh, the question is, um, because uh, uh, 90 right now 96 SPACs are searching for acquisition targets again I'm quoting from Barron's with a combined right. 25 billion in their trusts and that's what SPAC Insider tells us yes there is a a site called SPAC Insider um, yes there is uh, and yeah. um, that's a link that I've just mentioned that we'll be putting in the LinkedIn page but because mm -hmm. uh, special purpose acquisition companies tend to do transactions with the market value of three or four times their trust that's a hundred billion worth of companies that could go public in the next two years. Just that's from right. existing SPACs. That's right. Um, so one of the things that people talk about is whether or not SPACs will continue to grow, and you know that you endlessly figuring out the future of this, and we'll talk about that shortly. Uh, but um, you know, I think we ought to take a break here before we dive into what is the future of SPACs. Okay, we'll be. This is VC Confidential, and we'll be right back. More ways you can source capital for your company's growth on VC Confidential is coming up. Here's the truth you need to know about podcasting. The biggest problem you face right now as a future podcaster is the myth that it takes an enormous amount of time or effort to produce a high quality professional podcast. Luckily for you, there's a solution to your problem. If you're an online marketer who really needs to grow an audience of buyers but can't do all the heavy lifting alone, then here's the solution you're looking for. Introducing the DFY Podcasting System. Here's what you get. 30 minutes of one-on-one -on -one training. A weekly podcast for you or your company. Distribution to almost every podcast portal. An embeddable player for your website. 
an ebook called How to Podcast, created for WMR.FM show hosts, and much, much more. And best of all, you'll start seeing results with the DFY podcast system within a couple of weeks. You're just one podcast away from growing brand awareness and engagement in your business. Log on to podcast.wmr.fm and sign up for a deeply discounted rate today. That's podcast.wmr.fm. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs sends you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. Ann Kennedy and Jillian Music are back with the inside scoop on what VCs are thinking and where they are investing today and tomorrow on VC Confidential, only on WMR.FM. Welcome back to VC Confidential. I am Ann Kennedy with Jillian Music, talking about what you as an investor, advisor, or entrepreneur need to know about venture capital. Before the break, uh, we decided what you need to know this week is about SPACs, and we defined them. We talked about the, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly in their history. Now, before we end this episode, Jillian, let's talk about the future. I think it's an important piece, you know, I do all the stuff that's written about SPACs, um, they're about the, the companies that are already massive and ready to go public. I think the most famous one that, uh, you know, went with a SPAC recently was Virgin Galactic. That's not an early stage startup. It was ready to go public and it elected to use a SPAC because there's some advantages to the entrepreneur. There are fewer hoops to jump through, right? You are being purchased by a company that has already jumped through those hoops. So for the entrepreneur, by the time they are approached, it makes some sense, right? Somebody else has already done that work and that's not what you do for a living, right? Um, it, it's not a bad idea. Uh, but I think there's something else that we'd like to talk about. And that's how else you and I are seeing some uh, engagement between earlier stage companies and SPACs. So again, yeah. companies that are, are massive, that's what all the, the writing is about. How about those early stage companies? That's intriguing, yeah? It sure is. And even uh, early stage companies with an impact focus. Of, yeah. It makes this really interesting because of the opportunities it can open up. Um, mm -hmm. One of the ones that we actually uh, have talked with ourselves, we know them, is um, R3 score. And there was a really exciting press release uh, end of September about from NASDAQ when yeah. um, R3 score went uh, went into, uh, became a publicly traded company to raise money That's right. in their really early stages. And what we, this, this particular press release was so beautifully written about what R3 score was attempting to do in yes. terms of uh, making uh, uh, 
the world a better place for what they refer to as returning citizens. It's actually formerly right. incarcerated people to help them get their lives back in order and get um, and, and get jobs. And it's, yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. Um, that one's pretty exciting. We're going to put a link in that uh, yeah, to that on our LinkedIn page, and I really encourage anybody listening to this to go check that out. All right, it's just a press release on Nasdaq.com. But what happened was the um, Association for Enterprise Opportunity is AEO. And that's the publicly traded company. That's the SPAC. And our three-score technologies was, is now a newly formed public company through this reverse merger with something called Global Boatworks Holding Incorporated. It was on the pink sheets. Remember the thing about mm. pink sheets? Yeah. They're lightly traded, right? Thinly traded, right? And pink sheets are penny stocks. These are low-cost stocks. I think there's something exceedingly interesting in this. It has promise, and of course, it always has risk. But the promise here, Anne, I think, is that if you have a company with women or BIPOC leaders, right, at the helm, we know that traditionally it is so hard for these companies to raise venture capital with venture capital firms, but it's not the only way to raise capital. Right. So finding the best vehicle for your capitalization of your company um, and, and finding where you want to invest your capital, uh, those two things open up further when there are more opportunities and uh, more variety of ways to do it. This is one of them. A SPAC can be formed, if you will, uh, you know, on these pink sheets, tiny companies that are publicly traded already. Now they've jumped through the hoops to get to the pink sheet and the company at a much earlier stage can merge with them. And now they have the ability to raise capital in the public markets. What's the advantage? Number one, a lot more people can buy stocks than can buy into a venture capital firm. You're no longer restricted to only financially qualified investors as defined by the SEC and the federal government, right? Anybody can buy a few bucks worth of stock, a 10 bucks stock, a two bucks stock, whatever, pink sheet stuff, right? That means that suppose you do have a social purpose company like R3Score and you have a massive group of people who would like to support you. They believe in what you're doing. This is almost like crowdfunding. Right, you get to do this in the public markets. Public markets is also interesting too for the investor. The public company has many more restrictions and uh, transparencies and reporting requirements than a private company. You get a little more insight into what's about to happen, what has been happening and so on. With all of these kinds of reporting things, it makes the company itself a better company, right? It focuses the leadership on these business issues. It teaches them and puts them in that straitjacket that says, no, you're not gonna go wild and crazy here. You must do all of these things, right? That makes, if you will, the management better managers, it makes the company more transparent to investors. It opens to a much broader group of investors. And I don't know, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I know we're running out of time again, Anne. But here's the thing. If you have a tiny, tiny percentage of companies with female leadership, BIPOC leadership, and so on in the public markets, this is a way to increase that number. Right? And it's kind of insidious, if you will. They just kind of sneak in on the pink sheets. But suppose these companies do well. 
we hope they do well. We have data that indicates in the private sector they do well and they do better than other counterparts, right? So suppose these companies do come in in larger numbers. They become a larger percentage of companies in the public market. And yes, they'll be playing at that bottom tier of the, the uh, you know, pyramid, I get that. But as they grow, as they increase in value, they also become a larger financial percentage of public markets. And that is very exciting. The idea that we could have better representation in our public markets and enable more representation of investors as well. Right? We have already spent time uh, back in June and July on this very show talking about the fact that the capital wealth of black families in the United States is going to be less than zero by 2051 unless we change our ways. Right, and the capital wealth of uh, white Americans is much larger and so on, right? Suppose we change that. Suppose we do it by enabling people to buy things like pink sheets. Now, it isn't just about the money. It's about education, about access to information, about knowing that one can take one's 10 bucks and not buy a lottery ticket, but buy uh, something, a, a piece of stock in this company. We know that. There's a lot of work to be done. But this is, I think, the promise of what's about to happen. This if is, we can amplify it, that's pretty exciting. It is exciting. so exciting. Let's amplify it. And sadly, it's we have to stop now. Yeah, um, we do. Uh, that's a wrap for this episode of VC Confidential. We invite you to join us each Tuesday for a new episode as we take a deep dive into the opaque world of venture capital and share learnings and ideas on the inner workings of the shrouded corner of business finance known as venture capital. We'd like to thank our producers at WMR.FM who agreed to take a chance on our new show, VC Confidential. You can listen to all our episodes right here on WMR.FM and in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. You will find all our CEO Coach podcasts there as well. I'm Ann Kennedy with Jillian Music, and we are so glad you joined us on VC Confidential. Till next week. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.